because we never want to get stale and we never want to get bored. Welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. I'm your host, Rikwir Wait. In this episode, I speak with Sensei Scott Langley. We discussed his latest book, A Sustainable Karateka, a small book about a long journey. We discussed motivation, the elements of being a sustainable karateka and an instructor, and how you can keep on keeping on. How karate is not a thing, but a karateka is, and his advice for karateka who have just started and for those who've trained for many years. Enjoy the interview. Sensei Scott, welcome on the Wait and Speak podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Sensei Scott, you've documented your karate journey in two books, uh, Karate Stupid and Karate Clever. And now your latest book talks about how to be a sustainable karateka. What first attracted you to karate and did your motivation for practicing karate change over time? Yeah, so I have been practicing martial arts since I was uh, five years old, so 45 years. Uh, And I initially started just because my best friend at the time wanted to start jujitsu. I grew up in Liverpool, and although Liverpool is quite famous for karate, it's also quite famous for jujitsu. And uh, they had a big full-time venue back there in the in the late seventies. And he didn't want to go by himself, so my mum and his mum were friends, and so my mum volunteered that I would go with him to kind of hold his hand. And uh, and he lasted about two sessions, and I was hooked. I mean, I can still remember the feel of the tatami under my feet, the smell of the place. And and from the moment that I started doing jiu-jitsu, I, I was like absolutely hooked. I, I, I felt at home when I was there. And then uh, subsequently, my, my family left Liverpool and we moved to uh, Yorkshire on the on the uh, east of, of England. And they didn't have jiu-jitsu. They had a karate dojo. And in my youthful ignorance i okay jujitsu karate it's all the same so i just joined the karate dojo the local karate dojo and i i happened to um to walk into a, a really really good dojo uh and i've been practicing karate ever since for the last 40 years um so yeah that's how i got started sorry what was the second part of your question the second part was how did your motivation change over time kind of your your reason for for oh. doing it yeah so I mean, when I first started, then I uh, I had no motivation apart from, you know, being told to go, and uh, and I guess I just I just felt like I say felt at home. So like my motivation back then also I was really young. So who knows what you're thinking when you're a kid? <laughs> um, and and I guess over time it's it's ebbed and flowed. Um, certainly there was there was a time when I thought, well this is what I have to do, you know, like, especially in my, in my 20s, when I was at university and stuff, and, and I was competing a lot, and and there was a lot of um, pressure to perform. Um, but like, at the same time, I, I always had an under, under, underlying kind of drive to go and, yeah, this is where I belong. I, I really felt belonging. And I guess that's never waned, really. Hmm. Even now, I, you know, in, in what I do, it's my job it's my it's my career it's more than a job it's much it's a career um at the same time it's my community and so it is every part of me i I, i'd hate to think that it was the only part of me i I hope to think that i'm more than just a karate instructor but like my motivation has always been that sense of um, belonging in the dojo um, in every sense that that can mean and also my my need to push myself physically 
maybe mentally um and and also it allows me to be really creative so my artistic side i think the the art of of the martial i think is uh is really sustained through practice like i trying to be innovative when i teach think about things in a different way or a new approach um and then that's kind of morphed to writing as well but um for all, the, all those reasons is, is why i continue Sensei, you've mentioned a number of reasons why you continue and what motivates you. And with that in mind, how would you describe a sustainable karateka, both in terms of someone training as a karateka and as someone being an instructor? I think that the reason why I, um, I, I wrote the book um, is because it's probably kind of easy if I start explaining why I wrote it and then, and then yes. trying to avoid these pitfalls, was that um, I see a lot of people who... When I when I teach and I I kind of teach quite extensively around the world and 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 even though I'm going to different countries and different cultures I can still see in that see that kind of underlying current of of uh, people who know that they love karate remember being in love with karate but no longer feel the love of karate and so mm. it becomes a monotonous habit for them to go to the dojo and whether they're training or teaching and, and really I can see it in both the instructors and the students sometimes long-term students who who kind of just do it through habit but they've obviously reached a level um, back in the day where they, they needed to be enthusiastic about it you don't get good at karate through uh, through a habit you get good at karate by being enthusiastic and training hard and mm. I, I, I just never wanted to be that person and I wanted I, I wanted to figure out why they became like that, and so that was my that was my first thought, and and it, and like actually it's been it's been a long term thought. I remember back when I was again in my early twenties, maybe late, late teens, early twenties, meeting people like this because I used to travel quite a lot with my instructor at the time, and wondering why don't they have the same fascination and enthusiasm as I do for karate. Mm. And, and figuring, well, if they all became like that, what's stopping me from becoming like that? And really trying to make sure that I, I didn't. And so uh, what is a sustainable karateka? I think someone who is is basically trying to keep the, the light alive, keep the enthusiasm alive by, by not being able to, not by, not by not being kind of allowed to be, put into a rut in terms of you know we do 30 minutes of kihon then we do 30 minutes of kata and then we do 30 minutes of kumite and and it's just like practicing over and over again the same things without any any sort of innovation or new insight training with the same people the the instructors say the same thing they have the same teaching points and and ultimately you're you're just repeating and repeating and expecting different results and mm. and i think that's that's what I want to avoid, and and also as a, as a student, I mean they're both mirrored really. If your instructor is just going through the same thing over and over again, then you need to look for a different instructor. I mean I, I don't mean that you should leave your instructor, mm. but I see so many people who who maybe they they the training and training, and then they'll maybe go away for a weekend, or they'll do a weekend seminar maybe at the dojo or somewhere else, and they'll come back and they'll be really enthusiastic. And that enthusiasm might last for a week, a month, a couple of months, but eventually it'll, it'll wane and they'll be back mm. doing the same thing again. But like those seminars happen all the time, everywhere. 
And as long as you go and look for that and actively uh, be on a journey rather than passively being on a journey, I think that will really help you sustain your enthusiasm and sustain your practice. It sounds like exposing yourself to to new ideas and, and each karate obviously has their specific interpretation or, or their focus. So exposing yourself to to different different karateka training with different people. And and do you think exposing yourself to other martial arts is useful as well and, and just sharing and learning from each other in that way? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think karate sometimes can be a little bit well a bit closed, a bit like too much rivalry between dojo i mean there's rivalry between people in the dojo let alone rivalry between different dojos or even different organizations i think the mm. rivalry just ramps up right and i think that can often be the uh, the opposite of what you need i i think you want to build a um a strong community and also have strong links to other communities i mean i, I by training i'm an anthropologist a geographer mm. in anthropology and um and so one of the greatest uh, kind of ways of marking happiness really is people's connection to their community and also connections to other communities mm. so uh you, you have your 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 band of brothers or sisters uh but also you have connections with other other groups and 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 you have this kind of very rich lifestyle if you're connected to these different communities and i think karate is exactly the same if you're only practicing karate in your own dojo eventually that's going to get boring hmm. eventually you need other input and so connecting with other dojos other organizations and also other martial arts like hmm. uh, we we often we often have different martial arts coming in different ideas we often look and study their videos and go oh yeah that's interesting what they're doing and have conversations with them because we never want to get stale and we never want to get bored. Uh, I think uh, you have to actively, actively pursue that that kind of enthusiasm rather than just accepting that you have enthusiasm and when it goes, it goes. So about kind of trying to sustain your practice, I, I think um, having having community, having with, within your community, you have your dojo, um, but like often that's not enough, and, and like certainly any sort of uh, measure of happiness in a general sense, kind of. Uh, is kind of sometimes can be measured by the connections you have to community, to your own community, but also your connections to different communities. So you you have a, a rich tapestry of of what your your life is and your and the and the experiences mm. that you can have access to. And I think I think karate is no mm. different. If you want to if you want to kind of go to the dojo and and skip along to the dojo happily, you have to have a level of connection to that dojo, and you also have to have a level. Of connection to other dojos so often people are part of their dojo which is part of a, a bigger national organization which is part of a bigger international organization and they have those those cross connections throughout and I, and I think that sense of community is really important and so for me as a as a way of sustaining my practice i want to make sure that i am part of a much wider community i'm not just i'm not just kind of like an instructor with a a number of kind of i don't know sycophantic students around me who just tell me that whatever I'm doing is brilliant. That's that's the death nail of any sort of a, a karate adventure. You want to have, make sure that you're surrounded by people who will who will challenge you, who will give you other ideas. And you have you have a, a thesis and they have an antithesis and together you produce synthesis. You ha you have something that can be created from that. And and so I think um whenever you're trying to push yourself forward 
you have to push yourself forward in opposition maybe to something. If you're pushing yourself forward into opposition, mm. you're much likely to get much better results. Like if you're if you're trying to decide what you think about a subject, it's much better to argue about that subject with someone who thinks differently. And then you really refine exactly what you think. And I think the same can mm. be said for karate. If you're trying to find out what your karate is, what karate means to you, then it's much better to do that within opposition to something. So maybe it's your fight, your sparring partner in the dojo, or maybe it's your 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 sensei, and maybe it's your sensei brings in another instructor who has different ideas. And so you're really trying to challenge what you think in, in a in a not confrontational, but certainly kind of a, a, in a, in a in a way that opposes what you what you think or maybe opposes your preconceived ideas and so i think that all comes from community and that what's make that that's what makes karate exciting or makes your journey exciting is that you're constantly being pushed and challenged and and that gives you the enthusiasm to enthusiasm to make your karate sustainable what can a karateka do and how, and how can you reflect on your karate to stay sustainable i think you've mentioned community they're exposing yourself to that wider community, being in a position where there's where you try to read synthesis, as you put it, I, I really like that idea. You know, these your thesis and your antithesis. Um, any other thoughts around how people can just perhaps think more broadly about the karate? Because yeah. I think it might be easy to get stuck in a you know you do this and and you you don't stop and think why am I doing this and you know just think yeah. more widely. Yeah, I think. I mean, short-term goals are good for sure. You know, like when we start karate, you want to get your your first color belt, wherever that might be. Uh, you then you aim for brown belt, and ultimately you're aiming for black belt. And even when you get shodan, maybe you know the there's a uh, it's not so short-term, but maybe it's going to take two, three years, whatever, to become nidan. Mm. But eventually, kind of those short-term, short to medium-term goals uh, disappear, and so you have to have an understanding of what you're doing. And I think. I think, um, like, uh, like I, I always approach it this way, and, I, and then I read uh, some of uh, Simon Sinek's work uh, about kind of the, the finite game versus the infinite game. Uh, and he talks about kind of the infinite game being, he talks about it in business, but I kind of relate it to karate and also to organizational structure. Is that, mm-hmm. is that you know, you don't want to achieve that short-term goal. You know, if a short-term goal is, or a finite game, we say like soccer, where we know how many players are involved. We know the length of time uh, that, that it will take. We know the, the number of rules or the rules and regulations that are involved. And ultimately, there is a, a, a outcome which will determine a winner, a winner and a loser. And people often play their life like that. But the life's, life's not like that. Karate is not like that. Because in karate, as in life, you know, there are an untold number of people coming in and out of your life. You know, the, the rules are constantly changing. There is no time frame, and the ultimate, the ultimate victory. There's no ultimate victory, but the ultimate aim of the game is just to stay in it as long as possible. We can relate that to business. We can relate that to kind of organizational structure, but we can also relate it to our practice of karate, so that we we don't want to kind of like burn all our energy, burn all our enthusiasm, achieve absolute greatness. Uh, a pinnacle of world champion when you're 25 and then slowly or even rapidly kind of allow your your enthusiasm to distinguish uh, or, or extinguish should i say uh, because you've used it all up you want to make mm. sure that you're making 
decisions that means that you're constantly refueling that energy, re reigniting that energy, and your aim is to stay in this game for as long as possible. Because that's how greatness, if, if that's what your aim is, uh, mm. can be achieved. You know, I, I, I personally think I haven't really improved much at karate since the day I started. It's just that everyone who was better than me has quit. All my sensei, uh, most of my sensei have quit or died. Uh, and, mm. and all my senpai, most of my senpai have quit. And so I'm just there in the long, long, for the long haul. Just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And for me, that using that kind of infinite game kind of model is the way that you make your, your practice sustainable. Mm. Now that that's a really good point. And you mentioned it in your book, you make the point about how do we keep on keeping on. And, and I think mm. There's more facets to it. So on the one part, if you just miss a week of training or two weeks of training, you can feel it when you get back. You know, it's it's something that you need to keep on doing. So so that has benefit in itself. And then keeping on in the long haul is is what what keeps you in keeps you in it and, and puts you on that track for that longer term goal of not just fizzling fizzling out, if I can call it that, at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. And, and, and since you make another interesting point that I really liked in your book where you talk about uh, karate and you say karate is not a thing a karateka is. Can you explain mm. your thinking and, and what you mean around that concept? Yeah, I think um, we all kind of enter the dojo thinking that we're going to learn these techniques. We're going to learn these techniques that are going to make us invincible, you know, that we're going to become a the next uh, Bruce Lee or a ninja or something um, mm. as if, as if kind of uh, anything that, like that, as if that these things can just be implanted on you and then all of a sudden you can defend yourself whoever. And obviously after any sort of short time of training, you realize what nonsense that is, you know, uh, karate for me is a way, a paradigm and axiomatic truth to, to develop my physical intelligence. It's a model that I can place my physical intelligence onto, which will challenge my body. And so ultimately, take that, that model away and you're still you. And, and so a good example is that we, in most, well, in all styles of karate, but also all the martial arts, you have kata. And kata is often translated as form, you know, like you, the, the forms of karate, the forms of taekwondo, etc., etc. But actually, the kanji, the Japanese character for kata, uh, can have different meanings. And for sure, f uh, form is one of them. But it can also mean uh, the law, uh, like law and order law. It can also mean mold, as in, you know, you fill up a mold with plaster of Paris um, and you take the mold away and you're left with a, an ornament or something. For me, the translation to mold, uh, not only for kata, but also for karate generally, is, is a much better way to kind of perceive what we're doing. Like I am using kata and karate uh, at large to mold my body. Now, I don't for a moment think that that mold itself is a thing. If I look at a mm. mold for a, an ornament or something, I don't look at this empty, hollow kind of uh, vessel that will be filled up with a uh, plaster of Paris or aluminium or something. I don't see mm. that as a thing. I see the thing itself that, that is created from that. Mm. And so for me, that is what a karateka is. If you're constantly only seeing the mold, you're only looking at the superficial. 
You know, mm. you're only looking at at the the surface level, uh, but really you want to take that away and see what's inside. And and you know, I can look at lots of different martial artists and think, oh yeah, I know exactly what they're doing there, because I'm looking at at what they're doing, not looking at the shape and going, oh well, we don't do it that way in karate or in Shotokan. Uh, I think that can become quite myopic and 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 very limiting. I look at like I try to look at what's deeper. What what is their biomechanics? How are they using their body? How have they trained in order to be able to do that with their body? And so um, I often make the joke about doesn't matter what you do, you can be doing karate, you can be doing aikido, you can be doing tiddlywinks. It doesn't really matter. You know, you know, you, you watch the world tiddlywinks champion and how they get that the the kind of the flip of the of the little tiddlywink thing into the cup. It's amazing what skill set they have. They must have honed that skill for for decades, um, mm. and I, I think that is that is equally budo, like that sense of mm. complete control, complete precision, and that that is a physicality that um, means that they have a great physical intelligence. And for me, you know, karate isn't a thing, but a karateka is. A, a martial art isn't a thing, but a martial artist is. And so that that's what I mean by that. Mm, that's really an excellent metaphor. Um, and, and, and Sensei, in terms of, of teaching and, and, and training, um, obviously you, you work a lot on innovating and keeping your, your training fresh. H- how do you approach that? And how do you, you you've mentioned kata as, as, a, as an instrument. How do you use those different facets like kata and uh, kihon and, and kumite? How do, you, how do you best use those components which make up that mold to make the karate or shape the karate, how, how do you mm. approach that? Um, I mean, different ways, I, I guess, you know. So, um, like I was just teaching this weekend, just gone, I was teaching in Florida, and and I had in my mind that I'm going to teach gankak, which is, you know, a, a fairly advanced kata. And then, so I was teaching Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On the Sunday, I decided that's what I was going to teach. I was going to teach gankak. And I kind of reverse engineered the whole weekend from the end like that's that's my conclusion how am i going to start at the beginning and talk about uh, different ideas of body mechanics uh, different ideas of of uh, so different ideas for body mechanics which led to kihon drills basic drills and then how those body mechanics really work in terms of uh, application in in, in kumite in sparring uh, and then it concluded with the kata um, mm. like so i I did it that way, kind of in reverse. Sometimes I'll start with just one basic theme. I want to teach this theme this weekend, and then I will start with some Kihon drills, basic drills that that kind of in, are inspired from that theme that I think are present, or that theme isn't present within the, that movement. I'll just create something um, that, that kind of uh, represents that theme, which will naturally lead to Kumite, different ideas of kumite sparring, which hopefully will naturally lead to a kata. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I, I don't I don't kind of beat myself up about that. Uh, mm. Ultimately, what I'm trying to do is, is two things. Firstly, teach thematically. I, I don't, I don't, generally speaking, don't teach kihon kumite kata, and I, I don't really see the, the hard differences between them. I just kind of ebb and flow through them. And, and if, if I want to get this point across and I feel like I should get that point across doing Kumite, I'll do it. Or Kata, I'll do it. I, I don't really kind of restrict myself in that way. So I, I teach thematically. And then secondly, I know for a fact that over the years I've been doing it 
teaching professionally now for 21 years, I know for a fact that if I just allow that theme to come through and kind of be open, I know I will get the muse. I will get the inspiration for somewhere to go, oh, okay, I'm going to do it this way. Mm. And and without being too um, too planned, you know, I, I, I want to have this kind of pragmatic, dynamic kind of uh, approach to my, my karate where I, I, I want it to be, I want to be pragmatic in terms of, of seeing how the students react to stuff and dynamic being able to kind of change and adapt my, my teaching process to that. And hopefully if I do that and still stay on that thematic theme, I will get quality. Um, I will get kind of this uh, dynamic quality coming through. And and how how do these themes develop? Do you often see that, like you explained, the, the they kind of develop, and I, I imagine over time, specific themes keep emerging that really um, help you reach specific outcomes. Yeah, I mean the the themes are kind of hardwired into the Shotokan system. Um, you know, there are some absolute themes that we may maintain, and there's some kind of like themes that we we have to kind of make sure that we understand the difference between an absolute theme or an absolute principle, should I say, uh, and a and a training principle. So, for example, keeping our back straight, like Japanese call it sei chu sen, sei meaning meaning uh, uh, formal, like seis are formal way to sit, say chu uh, chu down like middle, and sen means line. So your formal middle line. We maintain, we keep our back straight, basically in, in Kihon. Now, this is a this is a fundamental principle of uh, of of karate, but it's a fundamental training principle of karate. So we we do this in order to develop core strength. And once we get core strength, then we can break our sense line as much as we want. But we use it to develop core strength. And so so understanding that is a fundamental training principle. And then some other principles, for example, are are um, off just fundamental. So so back leg drive. We use our back leg to shift our body mass forward. Then this is a fundamental principle because if we want to create power, no matter what type of power we want to create, we want to make sure that we have we have our mass times velocity squared. So that means we get our body mass and we use our leg to drive it in a forward direction and we use our hand to increase the speed and and, and it's through that basic biomechanical principle that we create kinetic energy and punch our partner um, and so some things are absolute some things are, are absolute physical principle some things are a, are a training principle and like just using those things ebbing and flowing between the the two or, or the multiple ones to to create a class um, mm. so yeah like I, I think a lot of people when they when they see things as a form, they see kata as form rather than the mold, they see the superficial. And that this is reinforced by us counting. This is reinforced by having gradings. You know, you have to do this set of combinations for, for your black belt. You have to do this kata for your black belt. It's kind of reinforced to, to see the superficial. Um, but you have to look beyond that. You have to look um, underneath the superficial and see what uh, what lies beneath. That's true. And, and, and Sensei, to, to wrap up, um, what advice would you give to Karateka in terms of someone just starting out on this journey? Um, obviously, a lot of people start, but they they fall out. You mentioned your friend that you, you joined when you initially started. And then someone mm. who's trained for many years, um, I would think the point there is what to do to keep on going on. But but what advice would you give to, to, to Karateka in those situations? Um, well, I think for someone who's just started, First of all, 
find a good dohucho. And and I I, I certainly don't think that karate karate is no better or worse than any other martial art. I mean, depends on 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 your it depends on on what you want out of the training. You know, if you want if you want a, a sense of uh, of community or or connection, then maybe something like Aikido is better because those guys are really friendly and happy with each other, you know. Or if you want just a pure self-defense, then probably, you know, do MMA. That's probably, that'll toughen you up fairly quickly, you know. So <laughs> so that there's a, decide what you want out, what what what's your dr- main driving focus, you know, what's your, what's your focus of the, of the, of your practice. And so that's kind of important. And then, and then try to find the best possible sensei or club dojo that will, give you that outcome um and also realize that especially when you're starting realizing that that there is a difference between teaching you karate and training like we don't the dojo is not a classroom whenever you go to the dojo you say i'm going training you don't say i'm going learning i'm going training and realizing that you're training your body you're training your body you don't have to be the fittest strongest uh, toughest in the world but you should be one of the fittest strongest toughest in your peer group and really try if you're like i'm 50 years old i think i'm you know out of all the other 50 year olds i know i think i'm one of the fittest strongest fastest 50 year olds that i know so i i want to make sure that i i push myself to be the best in my demographic rather than mm-hmm. you know the best in the whole world or something you know you know you know what i mean uh, so that that's one point i think for for someone who's approaching their karate for the first time or martial art training and i think uh, for someone who's a bit longer in the tooth who's been training a little bit longer i think it's not too late to rekindle that passion if you're if you're um if you find yourself kind of i don't know reluctantly going to the dojo to train or teach hmm. then ask yourself why you're doing it you know, karate is, by its very nature, not particularly rewarding. You know, if you if you're playing five a side soccer, and you go and you and you score a goal or two, and you go for a beer afterwards with your your mates, that's really fun. But if you go to the dojo and you're not and you're just marching up and down the dojo doing ido kihon up and down punch punch punch, and then you go home, that's not really fun. So mm. so why are you doing it? So you have to find a you have to find a way to rekindle that enthusiasm. And that might mean going to train at a different, I don't know, club down the road. It might mean inviting a different instructor in. It might mean a whole host of different things that you can help to infuse energy within the club. Um, mm. But but realize that if you're not, if you're not in, enjoying your training and, and that means you're not particularly pushing yourself hard, you're not achieving anything apart from maybe at the very best treading water and if you're treading water for 10 years and you're a you're a, a 45 year old sandan rather than the 35 year old sandan then you haven't improved in fact you've probably got worse and so yeah. you need something that will reignite that enthusiasm and and really actively not passively actively look for that no, that that's very useful since Scott thank you so much for speaking with me it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast My pleasure completely. That concludes today's episode. Thanks for listening.